Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. To hear your word. Where it's outlawed in many countries and you can go to jail and others. And your word is very, very precious indeed. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would come to you with our burdens. Come to you with our hurts. Come to you with our hopes and our dreams. And ask you to be the king and the boss and the Lord and the manager of it all. And so, Father, speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to every one of us. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. Remove distracting things. If there's anything in me that distracts others, Lord, I pray that you would remove it supernaturally and that you would be glorified. Father, I ask that you would move in a powerful way, that no one would leave here the same. And Lord, you know the pressures and the difficulties and the stresses that are here in this congregation. Lord, you know the parent that is just broken about their children. You know the young people here that are broken about the rebellion in their parents' lives. Father, you, you know the marriage that's on its last leg. Father, remind us that when we are at the end of our rope, you are at the beginning of yours. Teach us, lead us, help us. That we would glorify you. Open doors that no man can shut. Close doors that no person can open. And be glorified in this service. For we do pray... In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the hosts to come up. The hosts are going to come up. I actually have um, a, a, a little uh, device for you, a device for you to remember this message. But it's in the envelope, and I don't want you to open it until I tell you to. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, I don't seem convinced. Is that okay? All right, let me look to y'all, because y'all look a little bit more affirming than these guys. All right. So, okay, so we're going to go ahead and pass them out. Everybody, just take a, you know, they're going to pass it, and just take one, and then pass it on, and then we're going to go. Okay, um, today we're going to talk about an incredibly sensitive subject. Um, now, so yeah, just take a, yeah, we're going to give the envelopes out, and then you just take one, pass it down, take one, pass it down. It's that easy. Okay, today we're going to talk about an incredibly sensitive subject, an unbelievably sensitive subject. Um, as you know, we've been in a series. Anybody know what the name of the series is? Abide. Abide. And it's all about abiding in Christ, growing in Christ, staying in union with Christ, walking in the Spirit, growing and living for Jesus. And so we said, Jesus does this all. I mean, Jesus strengthens us. He encourages us. He helps us. He gives us a desire to walk in Christ. He directs us. He gives us the, the, the will and the passion and the strength to walk in Christ. And then some of the means of grace. And then you go, well, how does Jesus do this? How does he give us all that? Well, he gives it us to us through some of these disciplines or exercises or, or issues. Now, what he does is, what we call this is, these are his means of grace. 
So the way you get this is, this is the process by which God grows us. And the first one we talked about was simply, um, and we're going to look at the uh, discipleship wheel. And this is just a mnemonic device so that you can remember what we're talking about. Because not only do I want you to remember it for yourself, but I want you to be able to share it with others. And so the first, uh, uh, the first uh, week we talked about the word, just read your Bible. We just want you to read your Bible. The next week after that, we talked about service and how I want you to serve here. Just go ahead and serve here. Serve the people there right now as you speak. There are people serving. Hey, my overflow people, how are you guys over there? All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So we got, we got people in the overflow room. But you know that it took service for that to happen. We have people setting up things, putting up cameras, doing all sorts of other things. It's wonderful. Uh, we have uh, people taking The reason it's so quiet here other than my voice is because we have people serving and uh, um, uh, Watching children. We also have uh, people directing and guiding you so you can be placed and seated. People are serving. Throughout the week, you don't see half of the stuff. This week, we fed, uh, we, we had our first uh, installment. We do breakfast now. Did you know that, uh, that our house does uh, breakfast now? Is that the coolest thing you've ever heard? We do breakfast. So uh, on Wednesday, uh, once every other week, and we're gonna, you know, as we sort of tweak it and fine tune it and get more people to volunteer, we 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 are feeding breakfast to those who don't have. And it's just another service that we do. We also counsel married people, do premarital counseling, talk people, I mean, visit people in the hospitals, do, you know, marriage, burials and and weddings and everything in between. So what we're saying is that you should be involved in service. God did not call you to warm a chair. God called you to be of service. Okay? So, uh, so that was that week. I'm going to do this much quicker than that. Okay. Witnessing, would you just just tell somebody about Jesus, right? Would you just carry the message? And here it is. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You know, and so uh, we, we talked about, and then the next week, which I think was last week, we talked about praying. Um, and how, no, that wasn't last week, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. So we talked, I'm losing my mind. Even I can't remember my sermons. All right. So, um, and we talked about prayer. Here's, here's my point of showing you this every week. I want you to remember, as you look at this, I want you to ask yourself, where do I need God to help me grow? Is it in prayer? Is it in reading God's word? Is it, I don't want you to just hear these messages and just forget about them. I want you to grow. You know why I want you to grow? Because I love you. And I want you to be blessed. And I want your family, family to be blessed. So today we're going to talk about money, stewardship. Now, I know that the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that goes from the heart to the wallet. I understand that. I get that. But I want you to know this is not a message of what I want from you. This is a message of what I want for you. And part of the way that God grows us is a thing called stewardship. Managing, understanding that money is not yours. It belongs to God. Now, I pray for you throughout the week. And I know that I, I'm at an uphill battle here. There's no way that I could show you my heart. There's no way that I could, that I could explain to you how I worked here for three years for free. And I was the, I'm, I'm still the biggest giver, but I was the biggest giver then. I literally outgave the church. I couldn't explain that to you. I couldn't explain how I would rather be homeless than say no to my calling so I was homeless for two years because the church couldn't afford to pay me that much. I am not doing this for the money. 
And I hope you know that this church does not do this for the money. But it's a soulish issue. It's an issue of your soul. This is such an important issue. Your money is such an important issue. That Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else. Did you know that? More than heaven, more than hell, combined, he talked about money. You know why? Because Jesus knew that the number one, the number one contender for your affections would be your stuff, would be your money. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about money. But listen, I want you to hear me. This is not a message of what I want from you. It's a message of what I want for you. So I was trying to think of a way, I was trying to think of a way to convince you that I'm not, notice we already took the offering, so don't worry, we're not going to take another offering. This is, um, this is an issue of your soul, of your heart, of spiritual maturity. So um, I tried to think of a way, and God gave me a way um, to try to convince you that this message is not for me, it's for you. So I want you to, with that, Open your envelopes. It's my gift to you. Anybody got it? Hey. Anybody got it? You open it up? Anybody? Okay. Everybody got it? Everybody got it? You got a hundred dollars. That's cool. All right. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Now, I know you might have never gone to a church where the pastor started giving you money so you could hear the message. Listen to me. Listen to me. That did not come from NBT's account. That did not come from a generous donor. I'm not rich, but I'm willing to pay $200 so that you guys would listen to what I have to say because this is not a message that I want from you. It's a message that I want for you. So listen to me. That's yours. Keep it. It's my gift to you. Now, please listen. Please. Okay. We're going to go into the book of Malachi. Everybody, um, if you go into the uh, book, listen, when you're in heaven, Malachi is going to come up to you and say, so what would you think of my book? And you're going to go, uh, I liked it. Thanks, um, because I learned about it one day. Okay. So we're going to go into the book of Malachi. If you do not have your book, if you do not have your book, um, what I want you to do is, uh, or if you don't have your Bible, what I want you to do is um, inside your bulletin, uh, you have a, uh, uh, yeah, a sermon map. And that's where the scriptures are. That's where the scriptures are. Okay? So that um, is for you. One of the traditions that we have in this church is that we read. We, we read the, um, the Bible. Okay? So I want you all to focus in on what we're doing, okay? Here we go. Uh, so one of the things that we do is that when we read the Bible, we stand up. And we do that because we want to honor God. So let's go ahead and stand. We have a lot to talk about. Let's read God's Word. We're going to read it, then I'll explain some context behind it, and then we'll go right into it, okay? All right. Let's read God's Word. I'm going to read... Uh, I'm going to read 6 through 11, and you're going to read verse 12 nice and loud, okay? All right. 
since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promises, you, sons of Jacob, have not perished from the days of your ancestors. You have ignored my commandments and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord, who rules over all. But you say, how should we return? Can a person rob God? You indeed are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and contributions. You are bound for judgment because you are robbing me. This whole nation is guilty. Bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my temple. Test me in this matter, says the Lord, who rules over all, to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no room for it all. Then, 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 I will stop the plague from ruining your crops and the vine will lose its fruit. Will not lose its fruit before harvest, says the Lord who rules over all. Everyone? All nations will call you happy, for you indeed will live in a delightful land, says the Lord who rules over all. May God bless the reading of and the hearing of his word. Please be seated. Now, now watch this. I noticed that a couple of people have come up and bring... No, it really is my gift to you. I don't want you to bring it up. And I, don't insult me by um, giving it back. That's your money. That is your money. And by the way, the spirit that's causing people to bring it, I think, is the point of the sermon. When you realize that your money is not your own, when you realize and you see money as a gift, when you realize that it doesn't have to be that way, you just want to give it away, don't you? You just want to give it. And I'm not just giving it away to anything. You don't want to just throw it away. You want to use it for the purpose that you've been given. Amen. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and that every one of us would learn. Listen to me. That in the end of this message, you would walk away knowing God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Let me see if I can unpack that a little bit for you. Right now, we're in um, the book of Malachi. You go, oh man, that's exactly the book I wanted to read when you started to come to church today. I was like, yes, I want to get into Malachi. And so um, the book of Malachi is, um, is the very last book of the Bible. It's the last book of the Bible, and it has, um, so it's, it's a sort of this sort of Dialogue. It's very unique in the sense that Ma- uh, the book of Malachi has a dialogue going on. And it's a dialogue between God and the people. You see this over and over again. So Malachi comes on the scene because God directs Malachi to point out seven spiritual sicknesses. There are seven spiritual sicknesses that Malachi is trying to point out. I'll just name a few. One of them was that they were taking the Lord's name in vain. In other words, God stopped being important. I was, uh, I was with someone uh, today where they said something, and I had to kind of, I hope when I say rebuke, you don't think harsh criticism. When I say rebuke, I had to correct them. I had to train, I had to 
direct them in the right way. They said something that took the Lord's name in vain, that made God less than uber important. And so there, there had to be a little direction. Just did that this morning. And then, um, uh, so they were taking the Lord's name. Another uh, uh, issue that they tried to uh, address, or Malachi is addressing in his book, is that worship became a meaningless tradition. They would bring uh, uh, blind animals, the worst of the crop. It was just like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I guess we do have to give this unto the Lord. But you know what? I just, I'm not going to give my best. My best I need for my money, and that's how I produce and all that other stuff. I'm not going to give my first because the first, you know, that will, you know, tell how much money I'm going to make for the rest of the year. No, 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 no. I'll just give God whatever's left over. And, and, and they lived in an agricultural society. They didn't have paper money. So it's like, you know, uh, you bring the worst sheep. You bring, in our case, we do, we do this. We put a dollar in the basket here. We just put a dollar. Because just worship wasn't a big deal. They became flippant about marriage and divorce. They, they started to marry people outside of the faith, and they started to divorce whenever things got rough, and it was just... Another issue that they talked about was generosity. Another issue, and that's what we're going to talk about today, so I won't spend too much time about it. Another issue is that they had slanderous words against God. You ever have slanderous words against God? Where God's not working on your timetable, doing your plan, and you have a word or two to say to God? God, I don't need you. What are you doing here? That kind of stuff. And then they doubted the character of God. Now, Here's the thing. Listen to me. And this is the, the, the thesis for today. I got a, I got a question, that I'm, and I'm hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to answer, answer it for you. Why, if Malachi is addressing the deepest, most profound, most deep-rooted spiritual sickness, sicknesses, would he take only seven he addresses? Why would he take one of those seven? To talk about money. Why? Here's the answer. Because your money is a spiritual issue. Your money is an indicator. Money, having a lot of money doesn't make you very, very spiritual. Having a little bit of money doesn't make you unspiritual. But it's a thermometer. It's a gauge. It's a way that you could see if you're walking in the spirit, you go, no, 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 no. The way I, can, I see if I walk in the spirit, if I have that warm feeling when we sing these songs and I start to cry. Ooh, I'm growing. No, 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 no. How you spend your money. It's crazy, right? Uh, now, listen, listen. This is, this is very uncomfortable because of some of the stuff that we've seen in televangelism. And it's just... This is not that church. I wish you were here 24-7. I wish you were here throughout the week. There's no way. It's a miracle that we're still open, honestly. That with what we give away, with what we, you know, you, you have no idea. You have no idea. Even I raise part of my money to uh, the salary that I get here. I raise it from other churches. So that, and you can ask the financial people and anybody who's worked in the financial community, there are checks that come in on my behalf from other churches. It's, we don't, you understand what I'm trying to say? I feel like I'm trying to, ha- I have to fight against this stereotype that all preachers just want your money. Of course he's going to talk about money. It's your pastor. It's, it's not the truth. God knows that this is a soulish 
issue. And he wants you to grow. And so God thinks it's so important that right next to taking his name in vain and the sanctity of marriage, right next to that, he says, oh, and by the way, you don't honor me with your finances. You don't honor, honor me with your, with your wealth. And, you, and so let me tell you a little bit about them and see if we can. Now, what hap- the problem was is that uh, the, in the day of Malachi, the people of Israel had come back from captivity. I don't have... The, the, the people of Israel were overtaken by enemy countries. And they came by in like three waves. They came back in three waves. And so by the time the people came back, they had no power, right? They had just, it, it, in other words, they were like prisoners of war. And then they came back to their place. So they had to start from scratch, less than zero. And so they had no property. They had no power. They had no finances. They had nothing, and so at about this time, uh, some of you have read the book of Nehemiah. This is, this is in the time that Nehemiah, for about eight years, Nehemiah goes away because he's called back. His king calls him back. And this is about the time that God sends Malachi to preach. So uh, um, we have uh, Nehemiah not in the picture anymore for a few years because he's called back to duty. He's going to come back again. But Malachi is going to say, and he sees the seven spiritual sicknesses. And then he goes to this scripture and so as he's pointing it out and by the way he points out the religious leaders he says you guys are not honoring me which is very convicting because i'm a pastor and i don't ever want to be accused of not honoring jesus and then he goes after he gives it like both guns to the to the spiritual leaders he starts speaking to the entire congregation and then that leads us to the point that we are in now Chapter 3, verse 6, says this. Since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promises. Listen to me. I want you to hear that. God says, I'm a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. In fact, uh, uh, in some translations, the, the, the Bible says it this way. I, the Lord, do not change. But the next verse is kind of convicting because God says, and there's so much here. Since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promises, you sons of Jacob have not perished. Listen, the reason you're still alive is not because you were smarter than the guy that you were on the corner with. It's not because you somehow elevated yourself by your bootstraps. It's not because you've been good or because God has, has, is indebted to you because you've been so honorable to God. It's been the exact opposite. It's because God's promises don't change that you've been spared. It's because God's promise, God doesn't change. God says something that's very convicting. He goes, I, the Lord, I haven't changed And then he says this. From the days of your ancestors, you have ignored my commandments and have not kept them. God says, I haven't changed, but here's the bad news. Neither have you. I have not changed. I've been faithful to you. I've given you every breath you've ever had. I've given you, you had a choice of clothes to wear. You have indoor plumbing that came from the Lord. I have not changed. 
and neither have you. You still worship me with your leftovers. You still give, you, you're like your ancestors. He, goes, he doesn't just talk about them. He talks about their generations. You haven't changed either. Then he says this, and this is emotional to me. Listen, listen to me. If you've ever been a healthy person, I'm not talking about codependence where a person keeps on cheating on you and you just like, you know. But have you ever, have you ever had a kid who just blew it? And you go, you're rebellious. You haven't changed. It's very easy to, at that point to either be codependent or to kick them out. To help them in their suffering. And we do this a lot in our relationships, folks. To help them in their suffering, okay, I'll do for you, don't worry about it, I don't care, I don't care. But it's very different when God says, I'm going to address your sin and I don't want you to go nowhere. Isn't that precious? I'm going to break your sin, but I'm not going to break our relationship. Here's what God says. He says, return to me. We're still in verse, where do we go? Verse 7. Return to me. And I'll return to you, says the Lord who rules over all. Do you hear that at all? The God who earned nothing by you returning to him. Says, it doesn't say the, the, the desperate girl who's like 50 years old and you're the last bus on the, you know, you're the last train outside the thing. And so I, well, I guess I, please return to me because I have no other options. Or the guy who says, please don't leave me because there's no more options. No, no, no. Return to me, says the desperate guy who has no other options. Or return to me, says the desperate woman who has no one else. He says, return to me, says the Lord who owns it all. Who doesn't need you for one thing. Return to me, come, please. Verse 8. I'm sorry, no, we're going to return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord who rules over all. And then this is the argument of the people. See if it, you, you can identify. But you say, how should we return? That's not humble. That's not humble, by the way. If you read that and you read that as humble, that's not humble. That's, it's, what are you talking about, return to you? That's like when you go to your husband or you go to your relationship, you go, you know, we don't talk. What are you talking about? We talked this morning. I asked you for milk and you said, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Return to me. What are you talking about? We just, you know, we just were intimate together last night. No, 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 you don't understand. Return to me. Yeah, but what are you talking about? Didn't we sit down and watch that movie together? No, no, no. You don't understand. Return to me. But ah, what do you mean? Return to you. How should we return? Verse 8. This is God's answer. Can a person stick up God? Can a person rob God? Can a person put a mask on, run up behind God, and say, run your stuff? Listen, you indeed are robbing me. You've been sticking up, God. 
You indeed are robbing me. But you say, but you say, how are we robbing you? Here's the response. In tithes and contributions. You are bound for judgment because you're robbing me. These words are so powerful. I just don't need to say. You are bound for judgment because you're robbing me. This whole nation is guilty. Let me tell you what was going on. They had nothing. They had less than nothing. They had just been captives. They're prisoners of war coming back to their country. So they're coming back and saying, listen, but we're poor. We don't have anything to give. We don't have any money. You know, God, just, just take this blind animal. Just, just, just take this ridiculous offering. Here, here, a dollar in the basket should appease my conscience. This should be good. And God says, you're sticking me up. You're robbing me. Bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my temple. Oh, listen to me. Some of you, you just, you, you go, gosh, I've never heard this before. And, and by the way, I recognize that for many of you, I'm your new pastor. And you've never heard this, and I get it. And it's hard, and I argue, you know, right? We do the mental, you ever do the mental kung fu? You ever do that, right? You go, oh, oh, pastors just want my money, right? And then you go, and I go, oh, but here's what the Lord says. Yes, but that's your interpretation, you know, right? And then, you know, you do that thing. Have you ever done that? It's like, it's like mental kung fu, right, where you're trying to fight me and stuff. Listen, listen, listen. I almost just wanted to read this scripture and walk off. I almost wanted to just read it and just let the Holy Spirit deal with you. But the Lord is leading me to share these things to you. And listen to me. Listen to me. The wounds of a friend. The wounds of a friend are faithful. I'm your friend. I win nothing. I don't get no raise if you give more. I don't, if you give less, it doesn't matter. It's not something that I want from you. It's what I want for you. Bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my temple. I love this. You ready for this? Test me in this matter. Someone say, test me in this matter. Okay, okay. There's another scripture in the Bible that says you should not put the Lord your God to the test. Anybody heard that? Okay, here's a rule, here's a rule of faith, okay? Here's a rule, okay. So, you're not supposed to put your Lord, your Lord, your God to the test. You know that? That's his commandment of scripture, okay? Unless the Lord says, test me in this, okay? Okay? So that's the rule of the Bible. Yep, don't test God. Don't do it. Do not put God to the test. Unless God says, test me on this. And he does. He says, test me. On this. Now remember, they're poor. They have nothing to give. They feel like everything that they have is broken. And oh, but how am I going to meet my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to feed my family? God says, test me. See, the problem is, here's the problem. The problem is, and if I could just use this. The problem is, is our money 
Watch this. The problem is our money says in God we trust, but our hearts say in money we trust. You see, here's the here's the deal. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's a piece of paper. It's nothing, but it's an indicator of your soul. You go, but how am I going to pay for my... Are you trusting in money? Or are you trusting in God? But how am I going to... You know, are you trusting in your job? Or are you trusting in God? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I had a home, and I've been homeless. I've had plenty, and I've been broke. Listen, I've not trusted God, and I've trusted God. Trusting God is better. This, listen, in money I put my trust. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your joy will go up and down based upon that which you put your trust and hope in. And so, if you have a lot of this, great joy. If it goes, little joy. Listen to me. That's why it's a soulish issue. God does not want you to put the burden of your faith on something beauty. Listen to me. Beloved, listen to me. On something that's meaningless. That will be worthless. That has... You are... Verse 10. Bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so that there may... Okay, so um, let me tell you what the tithe is. The tithe is, um, there, there are principles of giving that God gave the church. And he said, I want you to be percentage givers. So that means, what's good about being a percentage giver in God's word, and this is precious, this is reinforced in the New Testament as well. Paul speaks about being generous with our giving, only he says, give all. <laughs> all, meaning everything, Right? So if you want to argue about the New Testament, give up your car, your cable, your shoes. We're growing towards that. Every year I try to raise, and you can ask the financial people, I try to raise my giving by a slight percent. Some years it was a quarter of a percent because it was lean years. But I just, I just, every time I give, God, you're faithful. You could be trusted. You're faithful. You could be trusted. You could be trusted. It was why every day in the wilderness, God gave manna to the people. You know what he was saying? Every day, as they ate the manna, you're faithful. You could be trusted. For 40 years, every day, for 40 years, they had to learn the lesson that deeply. For 40 years. God is saying, I'm providing for you daily. Whether it's through a soup kitchen or through your finances. Whether you're, listen, whether you make six figures or no figures, whether you live in a penthouse or a park bench, God says, I'll provide for you. Every step of the way, I'll provide for you. Trust me in this. Or test me in this matter. Says the Lord who rules over all, to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you A blessing until there is no room for it all. Now, you have three lines. You have three lines on your sermon map. Do you see those three lines? There should be some lines on your sermon map. I want you to write this down. Listen to me. 
the first thing I want you to write down is that God wants us to be generous, wants us to give, because, listen, here's this. He gives a promise. This is the first one. The promise of blessing. Why should we do money God's way? Because God promises a blessing on it. Did you just hear it in verse 10? Did you see the promise? Here it is again. Bring the entire tithe uh, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my temple. Test me in this matter, says the Lord, who rules over all to see if I will not open for you the window of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no room for it all. Now listen to me. This is not a scripture. Listen to me. This is not a scripture to see... God knows your heart. Remember, this is not a dollars and cents issue. This is a heart issue. This is an issue of your corazón. It's your heart. God wants to address your heart. Because if you put your faith, your love, and your trust in that car, do you understand that that car will rust? And where will your faith, joy, and happiness be? It'll be gone. So God says, I got an idea. Since everything that you see will perish one day, here's here's an idea. Why don't you put your faith, trust, joy, and happiness in someone you don't see? Because only he lasts forever. Okay. Test me. See if I won't do this. See if I won't open. Will not open for you the window of heaven. God promises a blessing. Let me give you. I, I can only give you my story. I don't have any other story. True story. I went away. Um, uh, uh, and I got to do this quick because uh, I got one more thing to do. And I, we went away. It was like the first year when we were. Um, planting this whole movement we started right and i had men's home living in my house literally literally some of you remember that right right you could even raise your hand and said if you slipped over there because there's a few of you here who actually did right and they would sleep on the floor i would sleep with them my wife would sleep with my children because i'm not stupid i'm not leaving the kids outside of the bedroom right and so i put the kids and i would sleep on the floor and that's how we would do and then we started this thing, and we had a Bible study and all that other stuff, and we went, for the first time, we went to a conference. Before we went to the conference, the place that we were meeting, this Bible study, we only had to pay $500 a month for this Bible study. The church could not put $500 a month. I was literally out giving the entire church on a weekly basis. In other words, my tithes and offering, if you added everybody's tithes and offering, was less than my tithes and offering. That's how nutty it was, because... Because, well, because I sinned, because I never taught the, the congregation early on about this principle. And they, and they hurt themselves. They made something else their God. What happened was, is that we wrote out a check, $500 for the thing. We went on this trip to go to uh, 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 this uh, conference, and they called me up, and they said that the check bounced. $500 check bounced. How do you bounce a five? How does an organization bounce a $500 check I go, oh, there's a mistake. I'm sure it's in the other account. What account? I don't know. Ray, do you have an account? <laughs> I'm sure it's a mistake. I will get it to you as soon as I come back. So I have the tension of not knowing how this is going to work out. I don't know how we're going to keep it. Are we going to have outdoor services? I don't know. And so I go to this conference, and they give us a vision about how they're going to reach a billion people by empowering a million pastors. That's, it was the, it was the uh, beyond all limits. You remember that? Yeah, beyond all limits. Right, it was beyond all limits. We had nothing, right? It was a, a pastor's conference, right? Some of the guys in front remember. And so 
We went up there, and they gave out a yellow card like this, which I hope you fill out, by the way. This, I'm not going to ask you for money or anything like that, but I'm just saying I hope you fill this out because we pray for you if you do. So, just, so they, they filled out. And so they said, would you give to this? And there was a space, because we're talking about church leaders now, there was a space for $100, $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, and other. I don't know who put, like, you know, 50 bucks? What is that other for? I don't know. Um, and so God started to speak to me in a very real way. And God said, I want you to give $1,000. Now, we had just bounced the check for 500 Do you understand the pressure, that that, the, the faith that I needed for that? And so after arguing with God for about three or four hours, I go, because I'm that faithful, I take the pen out of my pocket and I go, I'm going to give $1,000. As I put my pen in my hand and I'm about to write, click the $1,000 thing, God said, did you hear me say 1000 I said 10000 I did this. I said, get out of here. I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. 1000 took all the faith that I ever had. Like your faith, I borrowed some of your. It was everything. I was like, no way. No way. Not doing it. Not doing it. I have two torturous days at this conference because I know that God, you know when God really tells you to do something and you know it's God? And you, you know, because you you'd have never came up with this and Satan would have never came up with this. So this is like, you know, and so... By the end, I remember going up to Raymond. True story. Raymond was right next to me. And he goes like this. He goes like this. I said, Raymond. And I'm like, I got tears in my eyes. And I don't cry. I mean, I, I didn't cry back then, but I cry all the time now. But, but um, uh, just, I have tears in my eyes. Just, just tears. I go, I don't like, I said, we bounced a five. We bounced a $500 check. Why would God say something so stupid? And it's just, you know. And so, so Raymond, Raymond says this. He goes, Edwin, if you're going to do it, I got your back. <laughs> exactly the most. His body said something different, than his, but he was with me. He was with me. He really was. But I just remember seeing his body language. And so he goes, I got your back. So you know what I did? I put down my MasterCard number. This is what I had at the time. The church had no money. I said, God. You, all right, you want to get it? You got troubles because I ain't got no money and I have no problem telling these people to go to blazes and just like, you know. And then I didn't put it in the basket. I gave it to a security guard hoping that he would lose it and it was just an actual, you know, I was hoping that God would say it was just, oh, it was a faith like Abraham, lay your child. No, there's a ram in the thicket. No, 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 no. Got a phone call the next day. Thank you for your very generous offer of $10,000. How would you like to pay? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? So I said, give me a minute. I went to the congregation and I said, it's a million pastors, it's a billion people, what do you think? They gave. They gave. Our congregation who couldn't pay $500 thing. We were meeting in this rented-out facility. Listen to me. And a few months later, out of absolutely nowhere, came a phone call from my spiritual father, Mark Marshak. He says, you know, there's this really big building um, in the middle of downtown. And uh, would you like to be a pastor, see what, uh, be a pastor there? 
Anybody know how much this building's worth? It's millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Keep that in mind. Now listen to this verse. Test me in this matter, says the Lord, who rules over all, to see if blessing, if, to see if I will not open the wind for you the window of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no room for it all. Just in case you haven't known, there ain't no room for it all because we've been blessed. Listen to me. God is faithful and he promises blessing. Let's move to the, verse 11. Uh, verse 11 says, Then I will stop the plague from ruining your crops, and the vine will not lose its fruit before harvest, says the Lord who rules over all. In that second line, here's what I want you to put. I want you to put, God promises not only blessing, but the promise of protection. See, it's an agricultural society. And so they go, but look, the economy's down. But look, the, the weather's bad. But look, everything's happening and we don't have anything. God says, listen, listen, I'll protect you. I'll protect you. Your trust is not in the finances. Your trust is in me. I'll protect you. And then our, our desire, because we're so sinful, we'll say, God, I gave $100. Ah, we'll wait in the mail. Wait for our check, right? It's bizarre and silly. Listen to me. God will protect you. And if it means that God protects you in the homeless shelter, and if it means that God will protect you, and if, if we're, we're talking about issues of the heart. Lastly, we're running out of time. The promise of witness. I love this promise. All nations will, will call you happy. And just put that down on the third line. The promise of witness. It's the promise of blessing, the promise of protection, the promise of witness. All nations will call you happy. For you indeed will live in a delightful land. For the Lord rules over. You know what happens? The whole world goes, oh man, you are very, very wonderful. There's wonder about you. It's just amazing. Listen to me. There's blessing. Now, before we go, I know that there are some of us who are really struggling with debt, and we go, when, when should I give? Should I give um, w- when I get out of debt, or should I give before I get out of debt? I, my first question is always, when do you want God to help you yeah. with your finances? Before you get out of debt or after you get out of debt? That's when you want to start giving. Now, I, I knew that I couldn't convince you of this, so I decided that you know, a personal testimony would be perfect, but um, we're going to do this in a question. So I'm going to ask Bob to come up. Bob is going to come up. Everybody, welcome Bob coming up. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just go ahead and walk up. I'll take that. Thanks. On? Nope. Yep. Okay. Now, now this is Bob. Um, now, we're just... This is Bob. Um, okay, great. Now, I'm just going to ask Bob some questions, and he's going to answer them honestly before you. I know Bob. I know his story, but this is pretty wonderful, and some of you don't know. Um, so, Bob, uh, can you tell us um, about some of your financial dealings before you uh, came to Christ long ago or, you know, what your life was like and what in the 80s and all that? Well, I, I come from the street, and I did drugs for 20 years. Right. The last 15, and I'm smoking crack, and I got into a huge amount of debt, right. almost a quarter of a million dollars in debt. Okay. Did you hear that? A quarter of a million dollars in debt. Now, before that, Bob, did you have money? Did you, you know? I, I did have money. I, uh, I have a degree from, from Polytech in engineering. Mm-hmm. But I got into the real estate business and I bought and sold houses right. in Sunset Park. 
Right. And what, I was a millionaire by, by age 28. Right. I owned many houses, collected thousands of dollars of rent at the first of the month. Right. He's not making this up. He, he owned... Now, what happened to those houses? What happened? What happened to them ultimately is, is through my drug use, mm -hmm. um, I got involved with some, some nasty people, some organized crime people, mm -hmm. um, kept getting loans on them, and I, eventually I couldn't, couldn't pay. So they were taken away. Right. I actually gave the houses to, to, the, to the organized crime people. Right. The banks took all the houses. Right, right, because you were just, you got out of control with your stuff. Right. Listen, listen to me. Do you hear what, what Bob is saying is what this verse promises, that when you live for yourself and you do for yourself and all your money, whether you, listen, whether you're smoking crack or buying Ferragamo shoes, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When you live for yourself, there's a devourer. There's a devourer. There's a devourer. Um, so, Bob, tell me, um, how did you find Christ? What, what was the uh, deal? And well, I've been to many rehabs. Um, in, in 04, I, I, I was going to NA meetings. Mm -hmm. um, been to my, my last rehab, my third rehab, actually. Um, somebody from NA brought me to an NA meeting here, right. which is right behind us, right. and was a member of this church, right. and, and said, why don't you come by? Mm. And that's what I did. He told me about a retreat that mm -hmm. was going on, and I was willing to try anything at that time. Right. Okay, so I went on a retreat in 05 after becoming clean in, in 04 mm -hmm. uh, with Pastor Raymond upstate. Right. And, and, and we just had a prayer meeting one day and I stopped, started crying and I couldn't uh, contain myself. Mm. And, and I spent some time with Pastor Raymond and he explained how Jesus Christ is coming into my heart. Right. And, and how it's, it, this is working. Isn't that precious? That's precious. I love that. I love that. That's precious. Now, how did you start viewing money? After you came to Christ, what did you do? Well, how did you start viewing money? Well, after coming here, um, I went through the 101 class, through the membership class. Right. Um, I was living with, it with my girlfriend at the time. We went right. through some uh, premarital counseling. Right. And I, under, I, I was uh, introduced to the principles, how mm -hmm. you should live your life, the moral principles. And, and tithing was one of these principles. Mm -hmm. Give one-tenth of what, what you have to God. It's God's money anyway. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the way to do it. And God will take care of the rest for you. Right. And an amazing thing happened while I was... Well, before you go there, isn't that, wasn't that a little bit scary? I mean, because how much debt were you in? Uh, almost a quarter of a million dollars. Who here has more debt? than Like, don't raise your hand. I don't even want you to at this point. <laughs> but I'm thinking 99% of us fall into the category of not having debt under a quarter of a million. Right? Would you say, right? Would you just say your Macy's card didn't go that high? Right? Would you just say that? Right? $250,000. You think you got pressures? Judgments and liens, all sorts of stuff like that. Court uh, deals, all sorts of stuff he's, he's dealing with. And he starts at that point, at that point, to say, you know what? I make 10 potatoes, I give one potato. I make 100 potatoes, I give away 10 potatoes. Why? I bring it to that. Why? Why would I bring it here? Why would I actually be generous here? Because we believe in what God is doing. We believe in seeing people go to detox. We believe in people getting counseled. We believe in marriages getting back together and families coming through. So Bob believed that. And he said, Bob believed that. And with the little bit I have, he said, I want to give. I want to be a part of that. Don't you? Don't you want to be a part of that? So, okay, so Bob, so uh, 
what, what happened? Uh, how long ago, how many years ago was that that so you this started? This is in 05, where 05. I accepted Jesus into my life, but right. I wanted to do morally things right. And right. Right. That's, so in so 05, you started to tithe and yes. started to... So how did you, what, what did you do with your uh, outstanding debts and all that other stuff? Okay, I started, started making arrangements to pay them. Uh, some of them were old and were, were actually forgiven. Some of them I paid 10 or 20 cents on the dollar. Stop right old there. credit cards. Stop right there. Listen to this. Listen to this. Test me in this matter, says the Lord who rules over all, to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until a quarter of a million dollars. A quarter of a million dollars. God starts working in the hearts of those creditors. And I'm not saying that that's going to be your story. You might have to pay interest and all that other stuff. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to point out something very powerful. Very powerful. That God, and, and if God, listen to me, and if you have interest to pay, God will bless you. Not necessarily financially, not giving you the bigger car or the faster, you know, whatever. Listen, but he blesses you with himself. The reward for following Jesus is Jesus. But Bob got a bonus, right? And, and so go ahead, tell us the rest of that. Um, yeah, so, so you started to pay back and, and... Okay, everything as of two or three years ago was totally paid off. Totally paid off. Recently, another debt. That's amazing. That's amazing. Re- recently, I started to go back to school, and uh, an, old, an old debt from college came up—a four thousand dollar debt—and I'm now paying a hundred dollars a month to pay that off. Okay. So from two hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. now he's got like four thousand left. I'd say that's all right. Would you say that's all right? Like that, I would say, yeah, that's not so bad. And warning. Uh, student loans never expire. <laughs> Pay your student loans. Um, okay, so um, listen to me. If your story is worse than Bob's, I want you to come up here and tell it. Like if you got more than $250,000 in debt, if you listen to me. Bob trusted Jesus with the little that he had, and Jesus proved himself to be faithful. Your circumstance is not that difficult. And if it is, I want you to tell your sad story to Bob at the end of the service. Listen to me. God is faithful. We don't give unto men. We don't give unto institutions. We give unto the Lord. Why? Because giving is a heart issue. And this is not a message of what I want from you. This is a message of what I want for you. Let's thank Bob for Thank you. Great job, Bob. It's wonderful. God is an amazing God. Now listen to me. The Bible's most popular verse in the world is this. For God so loved the world, he gave. Stop. For God so loved the world, he gave. God's a giver. And if you are a child of the gospel, you'll be a giver too. I won't have to twist your arm. You just, it's in you. It's in your spirit. Because you were so grateful. You can't possibly outgive God. You can't possibly. And so here's what it looks like. You make, you make $10, you give one. You make $100, you give 10 Some of you would say, and some, I mean, you know, we had a vice president of uh, uh, Random House uh, editing. And, you know, so we have some people who actually make quite a bit of money. 
And so, you know, there's this old pastor's joke about a guy who comes into his office and says, hey, pastor, um, I, I heard what your sermon was about tithing, but I make, I make $250,000 a year. And if I tithe, that'll be like $25,000. That's crazy. I mean, I can't do that. And he said, well, you know, I see your problem. Let's pray. And he puts his hand on the guy and he says, oh, Heavenly Father, can you please reduce his salary so he could feel good about giving to you what's yours? Listen to me. Don't make me pray that over you. Don't make me pray that over you. Be generous. Be generous. Be generous. In Jesus' name, be generous. Why? Because you were busted and broke. And God, from his riches in heaven, came down to earth to give you a gift that you could not pay for as a reward for a life that you did not live. He died on the cross to pay your penalty. God is a giver. And if you haven't received that gift, receive it now. The forgiveness of your sins is the greatest gift. And give. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you that you are a God that gave and that you are a God that gives again. Remind us, O God, that this this talk is about worshiping you. It's a soul issue. And so, Father, I pray that all the greed and all the stinginess and all the foolish, ridiculous responses and the nasty attitudes. I pray that you would just rebuke that. And that, Father, you yourself would be glorified. That every time we give, Lord, that every time we give, we would be reminded, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. When the bills are due, God is faithful. When the pressure's on, God is faithful. And God, would you help us to steward or manage the rest of our finances in a, in a reasonable and honorable way so that we don't find ourselves in a jackpot thinking that, well, God should have blessed me so I'll get the shoes on credit and all that other stuff. Lord, I pray that everyone here would turn to the gospel seeing Jesus as the great giver, not of money, but of blood and salvation. And I pray that as we grow in love with the gospel, grow in love with Jesus, we would grow in love with giving. I pray that we would give here, Lord. I thank you, O God, for the servants that have worked here for years without pay because you have called them. I thank you for those countless hours that the servants at this church have volunteered needing finances and just knowing that we couldn't pay. I pray, Lord, that you would flip that around and that we would be able to pay the workers for their worthiness of wage. And so, Father, I pray that you do this incredible work in this place and in our heart, first turning to the gospel, then being generous. For this is not a talk about what you want from us, but it's a talk about what you want for us. For we pray 
In Jesus' name. Listen to me.